Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar. Hello, it's Peter Oborn here in a dank Wiltshire. Hello, it's Richard Heller in an equally dank South East London. We have a momentous guest today, Richard. We certainly do. Uh, Since we're not bowling at him, it's an absolute thrill to welcome to the crease Sri Lanka's former captain, multiple record holder, scorer of 25,000 international runs for Sri Lanka, Mahela Jayawadna. Mahela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Richard. Hi, Peter. Glad to be with you. Mahila, I'm fascinated by your early life, which won't be sort of familiar to many British listeners. You were a very early schoolboy star at um, Nalanda School in Colombo. Can I ask first, was that boys only, that school? Uh, yes, yes, it is. So very, very traditional school, um, very popular for cricket and a few other sports as well. And um, Kumar Sangakkara went to its main rival, which is Trinity College Candy. And your annual matches were a big event in Sri Lanka cricket. I just wondered if you'd faced each other as schoolboys. Um, yeah, yeah. Kumar, Kumar went to Trinity in Candy. So we did play against each other in junior cricket, but main traditional matches were played in, in Colombo. That's where our competition is. But sometimes when we get to the qualifying stages, we have to play interprovincial. So Kumar's from Candy. So then we would, you know, drawn up against them if they have qualified. So I played a few games against him, uh, not not too many. Who came out on top? In, do you remember in those early games? <laughs> I think probably would have been one off if my memory is correct. I think I played against him in an under-15 game and an under-17 game. So I think one we won, the other one they won. And I remember him getting 100 in one of them as well. What about you, Mahala? Did you get 100 in one of them or both? <laughs> No, I think I think I got a couple of fifties in both the games, but you know that's how it went. But uh, it's very I can't actually remember exactly what were the scores and all that. Mahela, you had a family tragedy early in your life: the death of your brother, age sixteen, he died of a brain tumor. And I read that you very nearly gave up cricket. Why was this? And um, who or what persuaded you not to? Um, yeah, I mean. Um, my brother and I, we played cricket together, actually. He's, he's about a year and a half younger to me. So uh, pretty much played on the same age groups um, up until he got sick. And he initially got sick when he was about 16. And there was like a two-year period that we went through um, the cancer treatment. Um, one of the places we visited during that time was in, in Wimbledon. Um, there was a children's hospital. That he got operated there once as well. But... Um, after about a two and a half year battle, he passed away age 18. Um, I was just playing for my school team at that time. So I probably gave up cricket for about good six months during that latter part of his um, demise and, and um, didn't play cricket for a while uh, until, you know, family, friends and everyone got me back to play because it was a quite a traumatic time for my myself and for my family. I can imagine. Well, we're very... The world and Sri Lanka will be very grateful to your, your family and friends for persuading you back. Mahela, your early life was spent sort of in the shadow of the civil war in um, Sri Lanka. And Kumar spoke very movingly about its impact on him 
and his family in his famous Spirit of Cricket lecture. What sort of impact did it have on, on you and, and your life? Yeah, it, it was quite similar. I think, you know, we went through quite a bit of traumatic times, um, bombings in Colombo where our schools were closed up and so many other incidents. I think, you know, we, we've had sometimes, you know, schools, uh, tournaments, everything was shut down for, for some time uh, because of threats. Um, and, uh, you know, we have to be, you know, careful wherever we went and, you know, what we did because um, it, it, it was a period that, you know, we had to be very, very careful. Our parents wouldn't let us go out much either. So we grew up in that um, for about good 15, 20 years of our childhood uh, and uh, even later. And it, like Sangha had mentioned as well, it, it was a huge impact because we had kids playing cricket from Tamil ethnic background and, and there was no issues at all. I mean, uh, when I joined the national team, Murali was our main bowler. So um, it's sad that, you know, we had to go through that, but we understood uh, different issues um, related to the whole thing. And, and there were certain instances that as cricketers, we had to address those issues um, locally and internationally. And whenever we we travelled to England, um, you know, we, we would come across the protests and various other things, which was part of it because we were representing Sri Lanka. And uh, I think it impacted the way we thought and, and how we had to make sure that we addressed that issue in a way that, you know, everyone understands sports is something that, you know, unites people. And I, I was... Uh, lucky enough to travel to the north even during the conflict time because of um, during tsunami when there was a, a truce and met some of the, the soldiers um, of LTTE and um, mm. they probably knew cricket more than anyone else did. I mean, they knew each and everyone's averages, everyone that we selected, who should that, who else should be in the team um, <laughs> and they gave us a lot of advice. So, I think it... it <laughs> and did they support Sri Lanka in, in international cricket matches? Yeah, they did definitely support Sri Lanka. And I, I remember that after that tsunami, we, we were touring England in the summer and uh, they wanted us to take a couple of the fast bowlers they felt that was, was good for those conditions in England. So that's how deep that they followed the game and, and knew tactically, you know, how things are. So... I think, you know, we all realize that these are humans and obviously they're, they're fighting for a cause and, and it was very politically driven and uh, we, we needed, I mean, once everything settled down, we realized that there's a lot of people in the North who were deprived in their younger days of not being able to, to take part in those, um, you know, sporting activities and various other things. And now it's a time to open it up and, and have talented kids coming through that uh, part of the country. You, of course, and you had Murali, your great bowler. Did he make a difference? Did they regard him as a hero for them or as a bit of a traitor? It's, it's very, very complex, these stories. It is very complex. And um, I, I believe that, you know, he was perceived in, in many different ways. But I think everyone supported him as a Sri Lankan who did remarkable things. And uh, it'll be on individual preferences or ideology of groups that you know how he would be perceived but I think generally I think he was a hero to many Sri Lankans. Now from what you're saying cricket helped to play a role in 
easing tensions, sort of bring, showing a way forward to a new national identity and the ending of all that civil war. Do you, is that a fair point to make? Yes, I think after the civil war was finished, I think uh, sport, not just cricket, but all the other sports was a, a vehicle to, to drive that message across and, and um, something that our foundation, which Murali, myself, Puma, we are all involved, foundation, mm. we had um, a tournament called Murali Harmony Cup, which we played in the north within, in schools and, and we took uh, Colombo southern schools up to the north and they they stayed for two weeks and played in the tournament and i think cricket was the common language and and um, all the kids enjoyed it what we had to realize is after a civil war it's it's important to uh, let the wounds heal obviously we've probably lost few generations in that war with their ideology but i think uh, the next generation is the ne- important thing through education and sports and other entertainment. That's where we need to um, try and, like you see, reconcile and, and find a common path and make sure that, you know, these kind of things don't come up again in, in the future. Mm. Mahela, there's so many things to talk about in your playing career. I'd like to pick out a few highlights. You made your test debut as a teenager, I think. You uh, came in at a crisis moment, um, 790 for four, and uh, you made 66 in an innings of 952 with a big partnership with um, Aravinda De Silva. Aravinda has many admirers in this country, but he's the most soft-spoken man I think anybody's known in world cricket. Did you ever hear a call from him, is, is my question to you, and, uh, or did you have to work out when he wanted a run? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that if I if we get involved in a run out that I would get a proper scolding from him so for that's for sure so it's sure that you know I I listened to him properly but no it was quite easy to bat with Arvind I mean he was a master so myself and Kumar we learned quite a bit playing alongside Arvind I had more time actually because I joined the team earlier than than Sangha but he was brilliant I think you know his experiences in playing in county cricket in England and Australian league cricket and all that uh, helped us to to develop our skills yeah he is a quiet person but at the same time if you talk cricket with him he is quite vocal he he's very knowledgeable and he would uh, you know he's very open for those kind of conversations so yeah, we, we were lucky enough that we played a fair bit of cricket alongside him. And then even afterwards, he was a selector and he was a, around for us to obviously pick his brain on, on how we should, uh, you know, improve on our game. I've got to ask you about your, your world record score, 374 against South Africa. We actually heard Mickey Arthur talk about that innings. He watched it as a South African coach. We heard him last year. It's the highest test score made by a right-hander. Of course, you had your record partnership of 624 with um, Kumar Sangakkara. You made that big partnership. You came in at 14 for two. You made it against a very fine South African attack. Mahela, one record you may not even know is that during that innings, 742 runs were added by the whole Sri Lankan team. And I've calculated that you had to run at least 364 of them, which means that you ran in that single innings over four miles or over six and a half kilometres. I just wondered what was the temperature in Colombo when you did all that running 
And what steps did you and um, Kumar take to prevent exhaustion? Uh, I mean, obviously lucky that I didn't know those kind of numbers existed <laughs> as well. Um, I mean, it was over a two-day period. I, I batted for like six, six and a half, seven sessions. So, yeah, I think the conditions are quite hot in Colombo. I think it was in August uh, 2006. So, usually July, August is is two of our hottest months. So, I mean, we grew up in these conditions and, and we, we are better equipped. But at the same time, you know, you, you need to make sure that you are hydrated and and uh, properly nourished uh, when, when you're actually playing cricket, any format of cricket in, in this part of the world. With Sangha, obviously, I enjoyed that partnership. Um, like you said, initially, when we came to bat together, we were in trouble and uh, uh, just got through that couple of, sessions um and once we got into that kind of rhythm and and mood we just battered um uh you know just to get that advantage we didn't think of a record and well we were actually under pressure when we came back for a tea on the third day um and we needed only like 15 runs 11 runs to go past the record which was held by two sri lankan sanat and roshan and um and when we went to bat again, both of us were under pressure because we knew we had to get that 10 runs because it's a partnership. It's mm. not even an individual record. So you can't let the other down. So that bit was quite um, nerve-wracking for both of us. But once we got through that, uh, that was at 5.76, I think, or 5.74. Once we got through that, you know, we just uh, went along and, and batted and thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, um, that's something that we both will cherish for the rest of our lives. Sure, you will. Um, you had many successful partnerships with um, with Kumar. You are the highest scoring third wicket partnership in Test match history. You, I think, brought a lot of strength to each other's game, and I think you were always very close to Kumar off the field. Is that and is that still true? Are you still running a restaurant together? And how is it doing? Yeah, no, we are very good friends. I think uh, a friendship which. We started when we started playing for Sri Lanka. That's when we both, you know, got to know each other better. Even though we played against each other at school time, and the way we thought about the game um, and everything was quite similar. We, we've um, enjoyed that rivalry within the team as well. Helped us, like you said, we complemented each other's game, and together we, you know, improved every time that you know we realized that someone. Uh, the other person was not playing well or making mistakes. We've always had that conversation, whether it'll be technical or tactical. We, we were very open about it. And while we were playing, we got into quite a few business ventures together. And obviously, the restaurant is one of them. And uh, yeah, it's it's still going pretty well um, after you just completed um, nine years um, in, in business of that. Uh, we've got now six franchises around the world, hopefully looking at coming to England pretty soon. Oh, that's very exciting. Let us know when that happens, because we'll want to go there and alert people to its arrival. Look forward to that. Ministry of Crab. Mahila, I'd like to give you another statistic. Court Jayawardena Bold Muralitharan is the most frequent dismissal in the history of international cricket. Imagine most of these were taken at slip, but I think you kept wicket for Sri Lanka once or twice, and I, you were a very good fielder anywhere in the in the field. 
I just wondered if you'd sort of anticipated when batsmen were finally going to succumb to Murali and give a chance. Yeah, initially I was actually like close infielders, like short leg and silly bit off. That's how I started fielding for Murali. There were quite a bit of success because especially in the subcontinent, um, a lot of the batsmen had no idea how to play him. So we we knew there was always going to be chances coming our way. So it's quite easy to anticipate depending how the batsmen were playing. And later on, I moved to slip. Slip was slightly challenging because that's the time that Murali developed the Dustra, um, the ball which is going um, with the hand. So the angles were quite different. So Murali and I had to work out a way of aligning to that because he obviously cannot give me any signals or anything like that when he was bowling it or, or how he would do that. So we we made sure we had that conversation and, and I would adjust myself to the right angle so that I had that opportunity because I knew that when Murali is bowling, like when you look at 800 wickets, that means that there's going to be an opportunity coming your way all the time and we had to be uh, mindful of that and at the same time Murli was a very grumpy character if you if you drop a catch he wasn't very happy <laughs> oh that's not known <laughs> not surprising so, but not it's well interesting known. he didn't feel that he could give you give you a signal before you couldn't have a you couldn't why couldn't you have a secret signal which you, he could give you before he sent down the dusra yeah because it's Murli and I we, we we had that understanding and and he just goes with the flow Anyway, I would pick him from the slips because I can see whether it's a two-star or not. So I, I, I get an idea exactly what the ball's going to do um, and, and the angle. So, yeah, I mean, we enjoyed that challenge. And like I mentioned, didn't want to be on the bad side of Murli by dropping a catch. So. <laughs> you had a very good reputation as a captain. Well, you had a very good reputation as a captain generally, Mahela, but particularly of captaining Murali. Did you work out a lot of plans together? And um, did you ever disagree about field settings or which end to put him on or when to put him on? Yeah, I mean, it was quite easy to captain really because you know that, you know, he's always going to create opportunities and we just had to make sure that we had fielders around, hovering around those areas. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a fair bit of arguments on the field because Murli was a more of a very defensive bowler than an attacking bowler. He knew how to work a batsman out, but he didn't want to attack and get a batsman out. If you understand what I'm saying, he wouldn't like, you know, he wouldn't have too many attacking fields. He wanted defensive fields so he could work a batsman out and get him out. So those are the challenges that any captain would have, you know, try and create attacking options um, when Murli was bowling and, and have more fielders around the bat or get the batsman to go down and hit Murali over the top. If he's not going to read Murali, that will create uh, opportunities. So those were the conversations that I constantly had with Murali. Yeah, but it it was quite fun, you know, in that group of players that we had, Vasi, Murali, Rangana, Malinka, we had a great, you know, bowling unit and and it was quite easy to captain a, a unit like that. You, when you have some of the greatest players the world has known. I mean, Malinga, what an honour to captain a team with those two. Malinga and Mulleri, completely unique in their different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing characters as well on and off the field and uh, brilliant individual players on, on the field. I mean, Lasit was a delight to work with. 
he's he's always there he knows exactly he grew into a bowler in front of our eyes you know the young guy who came from down south without any knowledge of the game but with this unique action and then he developed into one of the best white ball cricketers in in the history of the game and a very smart one at that as well so to be part of that whole transformation um, it was fantastic to see and and enjoyed like you said you know we had some world class uh, cricketers at that time and 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 a group of players who was hungry for success and and um, to to be part of history well, Halo, you, you were one of the batsmen who made batting look absolutely effortless. But I don't suppose it was effortless at all. I'm sure you had to work very hard. Was there anything special that you did in training or practice, possibly even nutrition, that, that set you apart? Now, I think for me, it was just the rhythm that I batted. I mean, if a lot of the people who, who saw me batting for my school and, and who saw me batting for the country... Uh, there was no difference. I never changed my my technique, my attitude, my tempo throughout my career, apart from a few little things um, here and there, which I had to do according to the conditions or the bowlers that I faced. But my tempo, my my rhythm was something that I was very conscious about. And that those are things that I've always practiced in the nets and, and um, make sure that, you know, my weight transfer, my balance, my, my head position are consistent so that my hands can do what I wanted to do out there in the middle because I'm, I'm a much more uh, a player who used the hands quite a bit, more touch player who used the pace of the ball rather than trying to hit it. I could do that as well, but I felt that, you know, me using the pace was much more better because it's less risk. So I got used to that rhythm of, of using my hands, my wrist. So once you get into that kind of a mindset and, and a tempo, it, you don't need to, to do anything different. So I've, I've quite enjoyed batting the way I did. And that's something that I did throughout my career, even at my school days. So it was quite natural to me. And that has that actually came up by me putting the effort in the nets and, and at practices to make sure that I just stick to that and something that I knew I could I could control. Interesting. But you started playing T20 after you'd had a long, successful career in test and longer-form cricket, ODIs. Did T20 make any difference to your game, or did you just sort of play on in the same way? I, I played the same way, but, I mean, uh, a story that I always relate to a lot of people... When I was playing for my school, I was more of a T20 player than I was a test match player or an ODI player. I played to that tempo when I was playing for school. So when I actually got to that senior level and, and I had to change my tempo to suit the test match cricket and the one-day cricket. So when T20 came, I had an opportunity to go back to my school days and, and think like that, play like that. It was quite fun for me. And then I've developed so many other shots which I wanted to develop for T20 cricket. And I, I just evolved uh, with that. So it wasn't something new to me, T20 cricket, but just gave me an opportunity to go back to my school days and, and be that free-flowing player with that um, fearlessness uh, on the field. So it, it, was, it was good fun. Wonderful. Let's move on a little bit now to your, your present role. Hela, you're now chairman of the National Sports Council of Sri Lanka. Tell us what that job involves. You know, is it a post with executive powers or is it sort of advisory? It is, a, it is purely an advisory role, which was created in our constitution. 
but obviously with the new sports minister, uh, the group that has been assembled for the sports council uh, have been given more authority to, to look into developing the sport in the country and even to look at uh, rewriting our sports constitution, the act and the sports law, which is quite old. Um, so we are in the process of doing that and at the same time develop all sports to standards that, you know, where we can compete. I mean, cricket is a is one sport, but Sri Lanka is to having, you know, athletes who had won Olympic medals in the past, but um, we, we haven't been able to produce any of those feats in, in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. So we, we just wanted to make sure that we develop all sports equally and, and give opportunities. And like I mentioned earlier, North and East, which was um, part of the country, which was in the civil war, is an area that we're definitely looking at developing and creating more facilities for the younger generation so that they could take up sport. How many uh, Tamil players are in the current national cricket team? Um, I mean, ethnically, there are a couple of them, but not anyone from that part of the region. But we started the new Lankan Premier League. So there was a team based out of Jaffna. And um, in that, we had a couple of guys playing in that competition. One of the leg spinners, the under-19 boys who played, was quite... um, quite good so he's part of a development squad so we just need to give them time with the right training and facilities i'm not just talking about cricket but there are so many talented other sportsmen and women who who had come from that part of the the country so we just need to encourage them to do that now everybody loves everybody in the world loves sri lanka and sri lankan cricket it's you've brought so much beauty and spirit and exuberance and ingenuity and passion uh, you've brought so much to the world game last year or two we felt those of us who love and that's almost everybody who loves Sri Lanka a bit worried about you you're not up to full standard why is that uh, Mahela? I mean it's it's difficult to put a finger and say that this is exactly the problem but this is something which has been happening for quite some time now the time that we were playing, when we toured other countries, we saw how the domestic cricket structure is set up, how cricketers develop. Whereas Sri Lanka's structure wasn't good enough. Yes, we had naturally gifted players and a group of players who got together at the same time. And, and we, we won matches, we won World Cups. But I think the pathway to get to that wasn't really functioning properly. So we wanted that to be rectified, but even to date, it hasn't. We have too many club teams where our talent gets diluted, um, so they don't actually challenge themselves to be good cricketers. It's only at, at international level that they will come and find their feet to say, OK, I need to do this, I need to do that, to be a better cricketer at that level. So it is very well documented as well, um, but unfortunately, not things are not happening. So we are trying our best because even at sports council level, like, the work that we're trying to do we cannot get involved with individual federations or or governance because they are independent bodies i mean sri lanka cricket is an independent body run by elected office bearers so they have to make those decisions and and make the shift so that is where we we are at the moment and hopefully we can make these changes so that we try and develop cricketers the way we used to and at the same time play the brand of cricket that Sri Lanka is known for. I think I always use that word brand of cricket because 
that brand was quite unique to Sri Lanka and, and it has bought us a lot of success. And, and if we can get ourselves back to that brand of cricket, we'll give us a good stead in, in, in international cricket. Well, one really hopeful development is the emergence of Embudenia, Lassif and Embudenia, who, well, I thought at one stage he was going to win the game single-handedly for you. Yeah, we needed a few of them on the park um, if we would win that test series. But, you know, Lassith is a young man who's come through the system and, and uh, a, a brilliant cricketer. Uh, he's only played eight test matches for Sri Lanka, so he's pretty new to the, to the team. But he showed a lot of character and, and a lot of prettiness um, out there, competed brilliantly in that test series. So, yeah, we just need that kind of players to come through, emerge through and, and then, uh, you know, be part of a, another great Sri Lankan uh, you know, team who could win more in international cricket. Mahela, I think we can't keep you too much longer, but I'd like to ask the two sort of personal questions at the end, if I may. Your daughter, how old is she and does she like cricket and has she shown any uh, appetite for it yet? She just turned seven and she likes a bit of cricket. She, she watches now, but at the same time, no interest of, you know, playing or taking it up. So she started playing tennis a couple of years ago. So at the moment, fully engrossed in tennis and, and her studies and all that, but yeah, I mean, she, she understands the game of cricket, but um, not that interested. Okay, so we may, we'll have to watch out for her as a tennis star instead. Finally, Mahela, we read a lot of material about you in the last few days. And you know, we cannot find a single person who has a bad word to say about you. Would you like to tell listeners just one bad thing about yourself? Perhaps something that your, your wife or your daughter nag you about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a bit of a, probably a workaholic and, and that's something that, you know, I get, uh, you know, constantly reminded of. When I'm involved with a project or, or some work, I'm, I'm very engrossed in that. So sometimes, you know, that's a complaint that I get. I'm on the phone, you know, doing that kind of work. Uh, so phone is a pretty, pretty much a bad habit of mine. I need to try and reduce as much as possible. <laughs> It's not just you. I think almost everybody has a problem being too much on the phone. But it's been an absolute joy being down the line to you, Mahela. Thank you very much indeed for coming on and talking to us. It has indeed been a joy, Mahela. I'm sure those South African bowlers all those years ago um, <laughs> found, found you were a workaholic. But I hope you do have some time to relax. And... Um, I wish you every success for your restaurant. I hope it comes over here, Ministry of Crab, as soon as possible. Thank you very, very much for joining us. And um, thank you very much for joining us indeed. It's been an absolute thrill. Thank you very much. Uh, really enjoyed you know, being on the program and, and all the best to you guys. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye, Mahela, and it's goodbye to everyone from Peter Airborne here in a sunny Wiltshire. It's goodbye from me, Richard Heller, in a darkening southeast London. <laughs>